0: If you have a topic that you'd like to discuss on unfiltered, please email your story to seeing other people podcast at gmail.com to be considered for an episode, real people, real stories, real life. This is seeing other people unfiltered. Seeing other people unfiltered is presented by mindset wellness, CBD, their happy gummies and their calm gummies cured my dating anxiety. And I am so grateful You should try them. You need to try them. Don't take my word for it. See for yourself. Head to mindsetwellness.com. Fill up your cart with those happy gummies to take before a date and the calm gummies to take after a date and use code seeing other people at checkout for 20% off and free shipping.
1: My name is Anonymous. I'm a 30-year-old man. I live in Washington, D.C. And uh, different from a lot of your guests that you'll find is so I'm I'm a U.S. federal government employee and I work in national security. Uh, in this case, I work for the Department of Defense, and that presents a lot of uh, interesting and different uh, different things than a lot of people face in their in their dating lives in general. Um, so, and beyond that, um, I've had the pleasure of working with a dating coach and a matchmaker before. So, those are a little bit of different things, and I'm sure a lot of your uh, a lot of your listeners have heard before.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for being here. When you first emailed me, you gave me like a long list of things that we could talk about. And I was like, Oh, my God, I want to talk about every single one of these. So I am super excited. Let's start off if you could just kind of paint a picture of how you grew up, like your background, where you came from, and and how that kind of led to where you are and what you do today.
1: Sure. So (laughs) the long story short is, I'm from the D.C. area originally. I'm, my parents moved here from other parts of the country. Uh, actually, technically, my mom is from Mexico, um, and my dad is from upstate New York. So they met through friends. My dad was in D.C. Mom ended up coming to D.C. And then because of my dad's job, who, of course, was also a government employee, um, we ended up overseas. Um, I won't say the country we were in, but we were in a pretty big international capital and I lived there full-time for six years. Um, It was an amazing experience, uh, primarily because you're in a community full of people who are all different from each other. I went to an international school. It was an American school, but majority of the students were from everywhere, from the host country we were in, to Scandinavia, Africa, Asia, Uh, the u.s canada parts of the southern hemisphere so the dynamic was we're all different and we're all going to accept each other for our differences which is a pretty unique thing um at the end of that six years my parents started the process of separating my mother took my brother and i back to the u.s where we came back to the dc area and for the most part that's where i've been ever since um There's other dynamics at play there, but I've been back in the U.S. full-time since roughly the early 2000s and went to middle school, high school, college, kind of floated around a bit um, between jobs. And then before I came back to D.C. on a full-time basis uh, in the current job that I'm in.
0: What was it like coming from... What you mentioned, like an environment where everybody was different, and and you celebrated those differences, back to the U.S. into this world where, I mean, for me growing up, anyone who was different wasn't celebrated. You know, like people were kind of forced into like isolation and and forced to not necessarily get to grow up and and figure out who they are.
1: I would say you've put it pretty darn well. Um, you know. It's- where I moved to is pretty affluent suburb of the DC area um, in a, what I'd say is a pretty homogenous area generally. I mean, not ethnically, there are Asians, Indians, African-Americans, white, you know, you name it in terms of ethnicity, but culturally speaking, it was all homogenous. Everyone had grown up in that area, lived in that area may not have had a lot of foreign travel. And so their exposure to different types of people, and other cultures was very different. So just like you said, um, it was very hard for me, I had a lot of culture shock, like, I didn't know what American football was when I came back, I didn't know what lacrosse was, like, we had lots of sports, but it's like, all those sorts of things. And even like the way people talk, the way people interact, is so much different from Europe, where I was, to the US. And that caused It was it was really hard. I'll be clear. It was really really hard. I was the subject of a lot of singling out and bullying because I was different. Um, I was a bit more unique. There were things about me that were different to other people, and I think that partially comes out of a a lack of understanding. And you know, kids are mean. You know, (laughs) I I don't think it's a I don't think it's a lack of their own. I just think that's a general thing. Kids are pretty mean sometimes. So. That meant through my my last year of my last years of elementary school, through middle school and high school, those were just difficult years that frankly I didn't care much for. I that being said, I really enjoyed my teachers who were my saviors during those years. They were the best um, and kept me uh, you know, what I felt like was in a safe space to some degree. And I made great friends that years, that I'm still in touch with, you know. So there was some good, there was some good, some bad. Um, but that did cause for my natural personality, which is actually kind of bubbly, fairly extroverted, to kind of be kind of small. And I wasn't able to be myself. Um, so I'll, I'll stop there for that now.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, I can only imagine... Like I definitely also experienced like being different and being bullied and picked on and not feeling like I like who I was was right or enough and and I know that impacted me growing up and and even going like into my into college into my twenties where suddenly I felt like I had this clean slate like out of nowhere where like everyone. Ha- growing up like knew who I was and and all that and then like I got to college and I was like oh my god like I could just really be myself now um but I'm wondering if that was your experience or if you had a more just kind of the the where like how you felt carried into college in your 20s what was like what happened there
1: so on that, it's kind of interesting because some of, my, some of the things that held me back and still continue to hold me back is relational stuff with women. I was bullied by women, and women I found attractive when I was in high school, and I found that that's carried to today to some degree. It's something I'm still working on. And so while my friends would say, you're an attractive guy, you take care of yourself, you're in good shape, whatnot, Um, It was still something that I carried around. And when I went to college, it was a fresh start and I had things that I was doing. I had uh, sports. I was on the debate team. I did model UN. There were things that I knew that I was good at and I felt, you know, really good doing and really confident doing, but relationally I still felt behind and I continued to feel behind for a lot of years until I finally started doing certain activities and having certain challenges where when I accomplished them, I was like, Oh, I can do anything if I put my mind to it. And so that pushed me to, to be a little bit more out there in when it came, when it came to dating.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm glad you were able to have those experiences because it sounds like for a while you almost held yourself back where you're like, well, I'm behind, so it's, hard. it's going to be so hard to catch up. So I'm just going to stay behind. And it's like you fall further and further behind and you kind of get in a trap. So it's great that you were able to kind of crawl out of that hole and, and build yourself up and say like, oh, I can do this. Like this is something that's, that I want to do and that I'm able to do.
1: Exactly. And so and like Logan Urie writes in her book, there's three types of dating personalities. There's the romanticizer, the maximizer, and the hesitator. And for many, many, many years, I was a hesitator. I was like I'll wait, you know, when I've got when I've accomplished this thing or that thing or I got to this place in my career
0: for me. dollars off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com and enter the promo code seeing other people. Find out why over 4,500 healthcare professionals and hairstylists recommend Nutrafol for healthier hair. Nutrafol.com spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com promo code seeing other people. That's Nutrafol.com promo code seeing other people. Raise your hand if you have dating anxiety. All right. All right. I know that everyone has their hands up and I get it. Vermont-grown Sunset Lake CBD. Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode and providing us with samples. When I first started seeing other people, some of my closest friends and family could not believe it. Not because they didn't think I was capable of being a podcast host, but because I usually can't get through a sentence without sniffling. And during allergy season, forget about it. My seasonal allergies are debilitating and my sinus congestion and pressure has always left me feeling so sick. But luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claridin clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so you can breathe better. This double-action combination of prescription-strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, Due to allergies. It's truly the greatest thing I've ever come across, and I am so grateful that I found it and started using it. Are you ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claridin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claridin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claridin.com right now so you can live Claridin Clear. Use as directed.
1: And then I discovered that, you know, I'm just holding myself back and I just need to have the courage to put and be a bit brave and put myself out there. And when I did, it was a lot of learning. I so I didn't start dating for the first time in in a real formal, intentional way till I was 26. So four years ago. So the learning curve was really steep. I was a bad dater. I will, I will admit that. I had no idea what I was doing Um, in that first year or two. I was really out of my element and messing up all the time, not understanding things.
0: What are some of these things that you think you messed up? Like, can you give me an example?
1: Just how to have a conversation. I think uh, because I was so kind of an awkward kid, to some degree, and was still, you know, coming out of my shell to some degree until I was 26. Um, so, like, how to have a conversation? What's the appropriate amount of physical contact? How do you have a conversation with someone? What's the right way to message someone on a dating app? What is, does look? You know, how do you do your profile right? This, that, and whatnot. And all those things were great. I made a lot of progress. I Learned how to have a better conversation, how to relate to people better, um, but I was still kind of moving up to some degree. And then about two and a half years ago, sort of right before the pandemic really hit off, or you know, around the time that the pandemic was getting really bad, I started to hit a plateau. Uh, in twenty twenty one, I was noticing it. I gone, you know, I think we all did. We got on, a, went on a lot of video dates. We went on a lot of other dates, socially distanced or whatnot, and I was starting to notice a plateau, and I was starting to question, is there something that I can do differently?
0: Yeah, so what did you do about that?
1: So, I'm like, you know, my job is a pretty analytical thing. I was sitting down one day, thinking about it, and I was like, so what can I do differently? I'm gone on a lot of dates, and they don't seem to go anywhere. I have a lot of first dates, not a lot of follow-through. So what, you know, in mathematical terms, you know, the idea of the lowest common denominator. And I decided, or at least thought of that the lowest common denominator was me in this case. Not in a bad way, but that I had probably exceeded the level of of my own potential growth at that time. And I needed a bit of a kick in the butt. Um, so I'd thought about getting a dating coach. I knew they existed. My my office or the, the executive agency that I work in has a coaching program and I had been using a coach. And the idea came about, oh, I wonder if there's a dating coach in the DC area. And in fact, there happened to be a lot of, uh, you know, a good number of them. There's, I think, somewhere between four and five. It's pretty small. Maybe there are more. And I did some research, talked about it, thought about it, kind of held off for about six months. And then I had an experience. Um, I went on two dates with a woman in February of 2021. And the first date was great. The second date was also pretty good. But she began to suss out um, because I had made it relatively evident that I lacked experience. And for your listeners – Because I had started dating at the age of twenty six, you know, at this time I was roughly about twenty eight or twenty nine years old. I had had no serious relationships. I had been on a lot of first dates, a few seconds, and not a lot of thirds. The most date, the the most number of dates I'd gone on with a single person was four. So it's a very different thing. And this woman who had had much, a relatively higher level of experience than me she found that out and like a flip switched in her brain and she was a different person wow and you know that the date ended she went home there was a long gap in between that day and the next day when she reached out and i got a tome and i tried talking with her and she's like no i've just been burned by men who i was their first serious relationship And I can't do this anymore. Wow. And for some reason, that was the first time in my life where I cried as the result of being rejected, you know, because we get used to rejection in modern dating, but that was really different. And I felt really rejected. And that was the motivating point for me to actually go out and not just find a dating coach, but I worked with a matchmaker.
0: Brave the uncomfortable. in therapy sessions. They looked and looked for bracelets that could serve as reminders to interrupt that spiral, but they couldn't find anything besides the cheesy good vibes only and no bad days types of messaging. They started presently to bring more authenticity to self-help anxiety management. And as someone who has had a presently bracelet for three years, I mean it when I say it really makes a difference. So whether you need encouragement to make it onto that date that you've been anxious about, a calming mantra to get you through a big day at work, or simply a reminder that you're not alone, presently has your back. Their bracelets are so beautiful and elevated, and they also make amazing gifts. And I know, because I have gifted a few over the years, and my friends were so excited to get one and have worn them ever since. There are six phrases to choose from. And if you're indecisive, there's a quiz that you can take to help you choose the perfect reminder for your anxiety. Plus, 5% of each bracelet is donated to your choice of four mental health nonprofits. I wholeheartedly love and support Presently, and I know that your Presently bracelet will bring you as much comfort as mine has brought me. So head to presentlybracelets.com. Bracelets.com. That's P-R-E-S-E-N-T-L-Y Bracelets.com for 10% off your order using code seeingotherpeople. Do you feel like you're at a crossroads in your love life? episode of Dateable, season 15, episode 10. Is it chemistry or anxiety? Guys, this podcast is incredibly relatable, insightful, and oftentimes hilarious. Wherever you start, Dateable will help you feel inspired to date differently and create a love life that works for you. You can subscribe and listen to episodes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts every Wednesday and Sunday. So check out Dateable and thank me later. Wow. I, I can't believe that that was her reaction. I mean, I know there is a stigma around people who have never been in a relationship before. Some people are like, oh, I don't want to be someone's first boyfriend, girlfriend, partner, because I don't want to train them. But it's something that as I've gotten older, and as I've seen my friends have their dating experiences, but not end up finding somebody to be in a relationship with, it's like, just because somebody has not Met somebody that they both felt like they wanted to pursue a serious relationship with does not mean that the person does not have relationship skills does not mean that they have not maintained friendships before does not mean that they have not had to work through difficult things with somebody else and work closely together with the same common goal, trying to be on a team before and so that's something that like when I hear that this happens to you, I mean obviously it did push you to do something about it for yourself and and to really learn, which is amazing, but it's something that is so tough because it feels like I understand why you cried it feel it felt like such a personal attack and but it wasn't about you it was about her and the people that she's dated before who whether or not like they had a partner they clearly didn't handle certain aspects of being in a relationship properly and that sucks because that is it's not a reflection on you you know that's something that you ended up having to kind of take the burden for and, and almost get punished for, but not from something that you did or didn't do.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, I think we all in our personal lives, we cultivate friendships. Um, we maintain relationships with our friends and family and we deepen them. We care for our friends as if they were our family. We take care of them when they're sick. We help them when they need to be propped up Um, you, you come to their aid, you're loyal, you communicate with them. Those are all the skills that you bring in some way, shape or form to a relationship. And then when people, you know, and I've heard this from my friends and my family, seeing them go through things, um, you see sort of learned good habits and learned bad habits. Mm -hmm. And so you're able to take it all in. So from this, from this perspective, I was like, okay, I'm going to take a pause here and I'm going to make an investment in myself. Um, you know, like a lot of people in our generation, we're all kind of financially struggling to, to become independent. Um, I'm the same way, you know, government employment is really safe and secure. I have a stable income that goes up pretty on average every year, but at this time in my career, I, you know, I could not afford to do this. Um, you know, I, given that a lot of your listeners probably haven't don't have direct experience with matchmaking, it's very expensive and it can be really, really expensive. Um, But I was lucky. I found uh, a local woman. Um, I'm not going to give her name, but she is a wonderful human being um, who was willing to work with me. I went through the initial process. I contacted her. She set up an interview. We spoke for about 30 minutes to an hour and she's like, I want to work with you. You seem like a great person, and I want to help you. So the process of matchmaking, I think a lot of people have heard about. Um, you know mm. in a lot of cases, you know, these matchmakers are empowered by the Internet. Um, they have a database where they have people who enter themselves in, and that creates the pool that they have to select from um anecdotally what my matchmaker said is she primarily works with men because her database is mostly women and she likes to work with men as matchmaking clients but coach women for different reasons a lot of it has to do about dynamics and who is easier to work with so from there the process was i spoke with her then i spoke with one of her matchmakers and in there they start to learn about you, who you are, the qualities you have, what you're, you think you want in another person, which constantly is being refined. And then they start to get to work and they start working through their database based on age, you know, general things like age or, um, you know, what their backgrounds are and so on. And it's a vetting process. They vet heavily the people that they, that you will end up being matched with and so you, the goal there is to f- hopefully find someone on paper who is about as close to you and a good a match. They can't, but it's not perfect. Um, but in this case, my matchmaker, who was also my dating coach for this period had a slight, also a slightly different thing. When she sent me out on a date, the first thing she did when it was over is myself and my match would get an email kind of like a survey. Hey, how'd the date go? where'd you go, how long was it, and what did you guys do, and did you enjoy it, and do you have plans to see each other? And then she would talk with the match, and she would get unsolicited, you know, sort of the most unfiltered version of the feedback. How was he, did he listen well, were there things that you didn't like about him, so on and so forth, and would you go out with him again, if it hadn't already been said. And that's the way of soliciting feedback and actually having a direct one-to-one feedback loop where you are actually learning about what you're doing wrong. So in this case, a lot of her clients that she had worked with, some of them needed wardrobe changes. Some of them needed changes to their appearance. You know, maybe they needed ditched glasses and put on contacts. Maybe they needed to whiten their teeth. Maybe they just dressed poorly and needed to dress better. Those things are kind of big lifts. You know, it's a style change. It's a personal change. But there are other things and other qualities that they're also looking for about how you handle a conversation, how you relate to others. And so that was part of the process that was really new and at the same time really difficult to do, but also drives a lot of growth.
0: What were some of the pieces of feedback that you received?
1: And that's a great question. So the very first date that I was set up on was a good a good date by many standards from my perspective. And from what the mat, my matchmaker told me, my dating coach, was that if you had fun, then you had fun. Don't discount the, the date as it went, even if there's no outcome like a second date. Um, but as I discovered later on, the match that I was set up with on that date was not intended to have a second date. It was so my dating coach could get the most raw feedback. It was not necessarily someone who I was the best match with, but whom she thought she would get excellent feedback. Wow. And in general terms, what she learned were some, like some things that are, you know, might sound to be pretty big, are really easy to fix if you're really dedicated so the things that she heard was one i talked too much two i didn't listen enough or didn't listen carefully enough and a counter not necessarily a counterpoint to that but sort of like the other side of the coin i didn't ask enough good questions it's not just enough to ask questions but ask good questions and three that i wasn't positive enough when you go out on a date You should really be trying to be positive in the way you frame your questions. And if you can't be positive, be neutral. But don't focus on negative, because when you're negative, that's picked up by the other person. As my dating coach told me, generally speaking, women, when they're out on a date with a man, are looking for flaws. And that's not necessarily because they're trying to do it. It's kind of like a predisposition in certain senses. And it does take a lot of work to take yourself and train yourself to that. Men do it, too. I have found myself doing that, too. So in that sense, by being positive and trying to shape what, the way you're saying in a positive way, you seem more positive, too. Mm-hmm. And those were the biggest things that I was told. And when I was told those things, it was really hard to hear. Because you think when you're out doing these things and going on dates that you are like that. But there's no Better way of of actually discovering those than being told those by the person you hired to help you guide you through this process and be better, and hearing it in such a raw, really unfiltered way. Especially because my my dating coach is an older woman in her, I believe she's in her mid fifties, and just the way she said it, kind of like a Jewish grandmother, because she is Jewish, <laughs> and it's just like. Holy moly. That's a lot to take in. Um, but it's, it's for the best. It's the best sort of feedback process because your coach is saying it actually from a point of care and not from a point of, man, you're really messed up. This is like, now we can get better.
0: Absolutely. I think it's such a brilliant thing to do and something that everyone, everyone, everyone would benefit from because, we might not realize that we're nine out of 10 times or 10 out of 10 times we don't realize that we're doing these things and there is not a single person who is perfect on every date you know some people are better at dating than other people but that doesn't mean that they are doing the right things or saying the right things or or listening the right amount and there's just so much that we can all learn and and it it definitely extends beyond dating I mean I'm sure even the practice of getting personal feedback like that and having to sit with it, having to hear it and having to decide like, okay, well, what can I do about this? Like that's going to help you beyond just your dating life. It's going to help you in every aspect of your life. So that's something that is definitely really unique to matchmaking and that process that you went through and something that I truly think like everybody, there's not a single person who there'd be no constructive feedback for.
1: Absolutely. Um, you know, and the amount of constructive feedback she has for her clients just varies on who they are and how they carry themselves on in a date. And as a lot of matchmakers, dating coaches will will say out loud that not everyone is a good dater. I mean, dating is a skill; yeah. it's hard. And modern dating itself is a, an entirely different skill because of the way apps make things. And the the modern dating environment is so choosy. You know, you you find you know, you don't like this tiny thing about this person, well, there's another person on an app, that you can swipe yeah. right, you know, swipe right it on. On. <laughs> exactly. And so it takes a lot of conscious effort. Um, yeah. It's a lot of effort. And so, you know, from that standpoint, in that dating process with in working with a matchmaker, you know, that what you're getting, um, in what my dating coaching and that matchmakers process is, is just trying to refine that. And, I need to say going up front that my goal of doing the matchmaking wasn't actually necessarily to meet someone. It was to improve. I wanted to make sure that I was improving, um, with the added benefit of hopefully meeting somebody because, you know, nothing is assured. You can go and do matchmaking and meet someone and meet your happily ever after, or you can meet a person and it doesn't work out, you know, along the line. Um, So in my case, when I went and did it, I was like, all right, I've got X amount of time to work with this person. I'm going, and I have some pause time. And we, you know, it was just like that. I would get sent a match as it developed, as they were able to take time to interview the women that they wanted to match me with. Um, Sometimes it was people that they just pulled right out of their database. In other cases, it was women who were coaching clients of my dating coach and matchmaker and so you know each and every week i would go on a different date with a matchmaking client uh, someone i was matched with and the same process would repeat you know you go out on the date date lasts x amount of time you get a survey it comes back i have the time to to have a feedback session and i hear what the feedback was and within two or three dates of being set up with the matchmaker, not necessarily with the same person, the feedback was, you're improving, you're improving, you're improving, to the point where I went out on on a date with the fourth person she matched me with, and there was no constructive feedback left to give. It was wow. he was a he was a great listener, he asked great questions, he was really interested in me so on, so forth, we had a great time together, and so on. And so, you know, that just takes a lot of, you know, thought, though, you know, and the more you practice something like a muscle, it becomes memory. So every time you're able to go out, you're a- it's not just, oh, remember to listen, or remember to ask a good question now or make sure don't t- not to interject. Make sure to smile. Make sure to be positive. Like those things just eventually become your normal. So that was the process. And I took breaks, you know. I I had work situations where I was like I need to take a break. I'm going to maybe date a little on my own using the apps for a little bit, and then I go back and so on. Um and unfortunately, I didn't meet anyone through the matchmaker. But I met a lot of great women, um, you know, who who either didn't want to see me for one reason or another, or I didn't want to continue seeing because I didn't think they were a good match with me. But at the end of the day, you know, I gave them a majority of them more than one chance because I'm an open-minded person, and I know that usually, or not always, we show up on a first date ready for that first date and to be who we are in that first date and my, in my mantra to the best of my ability is always give someone another chance. So, you know, in February of this year, my, my contract ended and it was a great experience. And I learned a lot about myself and I've I've more to share there. um, But you know, that process of going through matchmaking and dating coaching and having someone who's a professional in this space, to help me guide me through this process and learn and develop and and deepen my understanding of not necessarily who I am and who I appear to be on a date but who I am inside and become a more confident version of myself especially in that dating environment was huge
0: I'm so glad that you mentioned all of that because I I, so I have never worked with a matchmaker um, but and I guess I guess because of what I do like I've unofficially worked with dating coaches just from, from so many conversations and, and podcast episodes and, and just the people I've connected with. So not formally, but probably in some ways, I have definitely gained a lot from different people who are dating coaches and professionals in the field. But I feel like with matchmaking, had I ever done that and walked away from the experience still not having met someone my first thought is that I'd be like, wow, that sucks. Like, wow, there is something wrong with me. If I did all this, I invested all this time and money and, and my energy in in doing this process and it didn't work. And I, f- I feel like there are people out there who feel that way about dating, about the dates they are going on, about the time they're spending on dating apps. But I love everything you pointed out about how much you gained from the experience and how much you grew and how much you learned. And I think that's such a lesson that we all need to kind of apply to our dating lives where just because you go on a bunch of first dates and none of them turn to second or third or fourth dates or just because you've been on the dating apps for a year and you haven't met your person that doesn't mean that you haven't gained so much from doing all of it so just thank you for for pointing all of that out and for sharing all of that because I, I really think it's something that people need to take a mental note of
1: yeah and it and it's not easy. I mean, I spent years on dating apps um, when I wasn't in therapy, I've I've been back in therapy since December, partially as a result of my, my dating coach. Um, I'll get to that in a little, but it's really a process where you need to remind yourself, um, that, you know, you can't really do anything about the other person. You know, that is, that is a, a variable outside of your control. And you, what all you can do is trying to show up and be the best version of yourself, not to say don't be yourself or filter yourself. There's elements of that, but to try and be the best version of yourself when you show up on a date and go in with a positive attitude and know that you're gonna have a good time or hope that you're gonna have a good time unless something absolutely disastrous happens, which I've heard stories about. Um, And you take away from that experience that I met someone new today That might not be my person, but I learned something about myself. I learned something about them. And I'm taking away from this that I'm one step closer.
0: Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I always say to people who ask me for advice with dates, like, or going on a first date or going on a first date in in the first one in a really long time, I'm like, your goal for the date should be to have a good time and learn something. And if you end up getting a second date, if you want to see them again, that's a plus that is a bonus. That's the cherry on top because people walk into first dates being like, okay, this needs to be my person. Or like, Oh my God, like they're perfect on paper. Like I need to impress them. I need this to go well. And that's just not a healthy or productive way to approach dating. So
1: no, absolutely not. And, and as a, as a guy, I've, I've gone into this situation, you know, like I, I know a lot of, I've heard a lot of women say this, but as a guy, I found myself doing this, especially as an an inexperienced man dating, you know, I'm subject to all the same things. Um, I will say that I, I I have anxiety. I have dating anxiety. I've had, because of some of the sports I play, I've had head injuries. And I think that's contributed to some general anxiety other than the fact that it's like, I've been through a lot of stressful situations, you know, the bullying, my parents' divorce. I'm, I'm the oldest of two boys, and I was kind of in the middle of my parents' divorce to some degree. And then, you know, other factors, stress of school, life, et cetera, coming into play or even work, and that caused my anxiety to increase. Um, and you bring all those things into your dating, too, that – sometimes, you know, can be sensed by the other person. Whether you're a guy or a girl, you might be a guy and going out on a date with a girl and they're like, man, that person's really anxious or they're really fidgety. The same can be said the other way around. Um but what I found through the dating coaching process was that, you know, in this way that some of the the things that I was doing on dates wasn't not necessarily just the result. Of just not being a great dater but some of it was from my anxiety and when it came to the fore and it was kind of smacked me to the face to a certain degree you know to be very blunt um and i had a conversation with my dating coach it, you know it was because i had gone out on a few dates with with a woman through her that i i liked i was having you know a sense of thought that you know that this was a good experience but I don't think we're necessarily a good fit. But that person also decided that they did not want to see me anymore because I wasn't chill enough for them, in, to use their words. And they deserved to make that decision. At that time in my life, I was really anxious. And I did not even realize how anxious I was. And that started me on a path to seeking help, you know, to finding therapy, to going to a psychiatrist, and to start getting myself back on a path where I was feeling healthy again in, in that way.
0: Yeah, I mean, it makes a huge difference. And and even, again, like you being able to take that feedback and, and be like, okay, how can I be better? Not necessarily for this person, but for myself. Um, and that's really admirable. I do want to get into a few questions I have about your job. Because one thing that I have kind of seen over the years and just heard from all my listeners and, and seen an experience for myself is like, people's jobs do impact their ability to date the way they date their ability to communicate during the day. And I'm sure that in some ways, yours is no different. And that in other ways, yours might be very different. So I'd love to hear um, what you're able to share about your work and how it's impacted your dating life.
1: Yeah, of course. Um, So as I said at the beginning, I work for the Department of Defense. um, And when most people hear government or DOD, they hear secrets. Um, To a degree, that's true. Um, The government does protected work in defense of the nation. And so people who work in that sphere are somewhat limited by what they can say. To some degree, people even have restrictions on their jobs. Um, In my case... I don't work from home. I'm actually incapable of working from home because a lot of my work needs to be done within the building that I work in. Um, It can't be done from home. There's security precautions. So that in and of itself presents one thing. I actually have to go to work. And throughout the pandemic, I actually had been going to work. So working from home was maybe a blip in my natural sort of evolution, but not uh, a long-term thing. and that is actually something that's come to thought. Do I want this for my life eventually? Maybe not now, but maybe in the future. So that's one thing. The next thing is phone. A lot of us, sort of our lives revolve around our phone, whether it's for work, whether it's for personal reasons. We're all immediately reachable to some degree. We've got mm-hmm. you know social media, texting, email. When I'm at work, I don't have my phone. I can't be reached. I, you know, I work in a secured facility where my phone is either in a lockbox or in my car. And generally speaking, from the time I go into work in the morning to the time I leave in the afternoon, I don't have my phone on me. That is unless I decide to go out and check it. But generally, I don't. So, you know, when I'm on a dating app, or I'm having conversations with people, I may not necessarily tell them initially what I do but they can see that I don't respond generally for between four and eight hours a day, just because I just don't have my phone. Um, And
0: I can imagine as somebody who had a lot of texting anxiety, I'm sure that there are girls on the other end of that being like, Oh my God, like why isn't he responding? Or like, I, I sent this risky text and he hasn't answered. And it's like not even a risky text, but it's like, yeah, you don't have to tell everyone right off the bat. And people have to get used to it. But like people are totally, I'm sure have taken it the wrong way and taken it personally. But it's like, it's another thing that goes to show that like, if somebody doesn't text you back immediately, that doesn't mean they're not interested, people are busy. So, I just had to say that piece
1: no it, exactly, and I mean and in in the d c area this is a really common thing. There's a lot of government employees, a lot of people who don't have their phones on them during the day for one reason or another, so it's I think in this area, it's kind of something that's well understood um but when it comes to like when I actually go out on a date with someone, you know, I tell them what I do, I tell them the broad strokes of my job because I can't I'll tell them maybe the subject what a normal day looks like, which is honestly pretty boring government is highly bureaucratic and we do a lot of admin (laughs) you know there's a lot of content work in our job you know like of the actual work but there's a lot of admin and it's kind of boring and it's kind of like office space to some degree or the office you know to use two different generational um you know culture phenomenons but you know it's it's something that you know once you tell the people they understand i'm like hey you know like I just don't have my phone on me during the day. So if you don't hear from me at certain points of the day, it's not because I I saw it and chose not to respond or I'm, in, I'm ignoring you. I simply just don't have my phone on me and I'll get back to you when I can.
0: No, and that's something that regardless of what your job is, regardless of what's going on in your life, like if you know that you're not going to be responding to somebody regularly for a certain period of time, like it's so easy to just tell them that. And that's something that I learned in a relationship I was in where my boyfriend at the time had the most demanding job. And there would be literal like 24 hours would go by and I wouldn't hear from him. And this was something where he, from the start, would just say like, I'm going to be crazy busy today and tomorrow. Like you might not hear from me, but I'm thinking of you. And that was the greatest text in the world to receive because it... Gave my brain a signal that like okay I can calm down, nothing is wrong here, and so that's awesome that you have that like you you do tell people that because that's something that can like you never know how anxious the person on the other side is and and just saying that makes people instantly like feel so much better.
1: Yeah, exactly. And so in situations where I I have dated people and you know I I, I'm just going through a breakup uh, of sorts now. I I dated someone pretty seriously and pretty intently for about the last month, sorry, not month, two months. Um, and from the start, we kind of both told each other, it's like, Hey, we're looking for something serious and something intentional with good communication. And from the start, one thing that we both tried to do well is show that we could consistently communicate to each other. Um, and that was in this case, like a text every morning I yeah. texted her before I went into work. And that would kind of lead things into the day. And and there was a practice that I continued and it got to a point where she was like, you know, I might not have texted immediately that day. It, maybe it was a weekend or something like that. And she's like, Oh, I got so used to it. Like, it's now something I expect and that I like and it and it was just part of our thing that I think the both of us found that we did well. So finding how and what works for you As an individual or you with the other person that you're dating, if it has some intention or it's like, hey, how do you like to communicate or what would be helpful to you, even if it's not something serious or defined yet, are good practices that I've found. Because I am too, as an anxious person, even on anxiety medication where I'm much more secure and when I have an anxious thought, an overthinking moment about was this text bad or did i say something i can i'm able to step back partially with because i'm on the medication and be like relax Mm -hmm. but that consistent communication from the start and knowing that you are that person is being consistent with you kind of helps set that baseline too and that's something that i've learned in the future that something i want to try and replicate it might not be the same But when I meet the next person that I date seriously, I want to replicate something similar because it, it had a lot of good things to it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm so sorry to hear that you're going through a form of a breakup, Um, which one thing I want to point out, I know, I feel like in modern dating, like there, people are in way more like situationships than they are relationships. They're like, Oh, like I was in a relationship, but it was short. Or like, I don't know if they thought we were together but like it felt like it to me like and we all kind of try and stumble on our words around saying that it was a relationship or not because it was maybe perhaps undefined but if it felt like a relationship to you if it is somebody that you were consistently seeing that you felt emotionally connected to that you had a connection with then you're allowed to say it was a relationship and that it's a breakup and and this isn't me necessarily calling you out it's something that I hear all the time and people are like well we weren't like officially dating but you know like we were seeing each other for four months it's like no you were in a relationship with this person whether or not they wanted to define it as that whether or not that conversation happened like it's still allowed to be a relationship to you and you're still allowed to be going through a breakup so
1: yeah Um, exactly and and that's what this was i mean in this case we were very intentional in doing this even though we it was very you know it was rather quick. It was kind of hot and heavy for lack of a better description, but this was a defined relationship. You know, we, we, we made to ensure that we defined things as it felt natural. So, you know, she was my girlfriend for a period of time there. And I feel like I'm taking away a lot of real positives from the experience, even though, you know, at times I, I I have to remind myself of that. I, I, I feel sad and I, You know, you're, you're grieving things, especially as a a 30 year old male where, you know, I have a tight friend group, they're all a little disparate and different. They're not all connected, but they're all in relationships. Um, I don't have a lot of single friends and that makes things tough. And, you know, there's that comparison there. So from that standpoint, it's like, yeah, I had a great relationship and I have friends who are in great relationships, so, but it you know, you need to make sure to remind yourself, I'm taking a lot from this and I have great role models and I can move forward. Um, even though, you know, you're you're back to the chopping block to some degree.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But I think the key there is that like you're allowed to be sad and you're allowed to like feel your feelings and, and go through it, but also knowing like, hey, this was an experience and I have a lot that I can take away from it and learn from it and continue growing for next time and again I mean that that's kind of been a theme throughout this episode that I've I've kind of noticed from you is that like you really have learned so much and you've embraced learning and growing and that's something that like absolutely everyone should put a little like conscious effort into doing um I am curious from everything you have learned what advice would you give to your 26-year-old self when you started dating?
1: That's a great question. Um, I haven't really thought about that too much. You know, I would I would probably tell my 26-year-old self to not be so hard on himself. Um, dating is hard, especially if you've never really done it before. And so... You know, I would give him a little bit of grace and a little bit of humility and say it's going to work out and you're going to learn a lot and you're going to grow a lot, but it's going to be really hard. Um, I, I participated in endurance sports when I was in high school and college, and that was kind of like the theme of doing endurance sports. It's really hard, and no matter how much better you get at them, it still hurts and it's still tough, but you're growing throughout. So that was a mentality that I've kept through all this. I would probably also tell him that not to take things personally and to really try and keep a positive attitude about things. Because I wasn't always so positive either. And I would want my 26-year-old my self to, to have more of an optimistic outlook. Because you know what? Things are great. The sun is going up the next day. You know, In my case, I have great friends who are generally there for me. I have a great family um even though we butt heads sometimes i have a great job i have a great life that i enjoy um and so at the end of the day there's more positive than negative um the last thing i would say is um you know don't let rejection beat you down um after in august of 2021 after i had that talk with my coach and after being rejected by that 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 one match um we were supposed to go to a comedy show and the comedian is is hysterical her name is jessica curson i believe she's from new york she's hilarious and i was supposed to go to that show with her because she she liked comedy so i had a second row seat at a table for two people so easily within the shooting line and she came and you know the set was over it was hilarious and I went up to her and I thanked her for not picking on me because I was an easy target. And I told her about the situation, and she gave me a great line that I remember. And I tell people, especially friends of mine who are dating, not, or people that I know in general, that and this is and it has a lot of meaning. She said, "Rejection is God's protection," which had you know on its surface just is a few words, but has like all this meaning buried under it. And it's something I like to remind myself. I wrote it in my journal because it's like, okay, you know, she's doing you a favor. Like the universe is doing you a favor that this person is rejecting you because they're not your person, you know? And, and, and one thing I learned from my dating coach is when, when you go out with someone, you really need to pay attention to how they talk about their relationships, their family, their outlook on life. Are they growing? Are they trying to learn? You know, that tells you a lot about who they are. A lot of their behaviors and habits have, have um, subtext to them about, are they rigid? Are they open-minded? Are they flexible? So on and so forth. And that can really help you give you a good idea about who that person is, even though you may not know a lot about them yet too. So when that, when I got that line, I was like, Holy crud, that, it's so yeah. like revelatory. And I just keep it in mind now that, you know, especially when it comes to rejection, because there's so much rejection. You know, every every swipe that is a left swipe is a rejection, technically. So while you're also rejecting people, you're you're also being rejected. And you just have to have that grace to know that rejection is not necessarily bad. And it's the universe's way of protecting you from someone who maybe you shouldn't be with.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that line. Thank you for sharing it. I it rejection is something that we all take so personally and and so, like so to heart. And in some cases, yes, it totally makes sense. And in other cases, rejection is something that we are we've have always dealt with and we are always going to deal with and it's something that like nobody is immune to it. And it doesn't mean you're not good enough. It doesn't mean you're not deserving of love. It just means that for one reason or another, it's just not happening with this person or this XYZ thing isn't the right fit or there's something better for you out there. And it's the same thing with jobs. Sometimes you get rejected from a job because not because the company doesn't think that you do a great job, but maybe they just don't think you'd be that happy in the role and that there's another role that's better for you and they want, to hire people who are going to really enjoy themselves and be happy. And so there's just a million reasons and, and we always are so quick to say, like, oh, well, there's something wrong with me. And that's just not true.
1: No, exactly. And in from like this most recent example, um, the woman I dated is a, a wonderful woman. Um, but in the end of the day, we weren't gonna be a good fit, um, in all likelihood. Um, and while I care for her deeply, um, I, I'm taking a lot away from that rejection. Um, it hurts, you know, I have to remind myself over the last five days where I've journaled every day, I have to really consciously remind myself that I'm taking more from this experience than I am losing. And in the sense that, you know, I had my first real relationship, or, you know, I had a previous sort of very brief relationship for about a month in September of, of 2021. But this was kind of something that felt like was like you know and was defined as a relationship and i'm taking away a lot more confidence and more security in that this is something i know i'm capable of and kind of related to something i said earlier that you know i wasn't sure if women you know women that i desired found me attractive i know that's a really superficial thing to say but like you know, I think we all deserve a degree of grace that we we are able to define our own standards. I mean, we're all kind of superficial beings in some sense, and you know that is just part of things. And that I was able to take away some of that, but also that superficiality is also only matters so much. Um, and you know, I think I read on someone's uh, feed once. I think it was Matchmaker Marie's feed. Someone asked, you know why are why is my current boyfriend with me at, and their ex is so attractive i'm like well because you know someone's looks doesn't define who they are and there's so much more to why someone is attractive beyond just their looks too so i'm taking so i'm taking away that i all these positive things that I know I can be in a relationship. I have the evidence, you know, to use a really scientific term. I know that someone can desire me and, and all these other things that I doubted about myself for years. So, you know, while this is her loss at the end of the day, you know, and that's how I have to frame this too, you know, it is her loss that she either, you know, there was something that came up for her. There was something about me that she didn't like or bothered her. Um, you know, it was seven weeks. You don't really, you can learn a lot about someone in seven weeks, but you don't know everything about someone in seven weeks. And, um, you know, as Maria has said, and I've heard on her podcast, you know, the best way to understand someone is seeing and in through a relationship is seeing them on a good day and on a bad day. And also how they are with you on your best day and on your worst day. And so you may not necessarily get to see that in that amount of time, um, but those are the ways you get to see somebody and get to see how they are. You know, you usually get to see someone in their worst moments um, and how they react will tell you a lot about who they are and including in their best moments too.
0: Yeah, 100%. Well, I love that you're already finding things to like specific things to learn and, and just being able to look back on this in a positive way um especially coming from someone who's the feedback was that you were too negative so i mean throughout this whole episode recording like you've radiated positivity and and there's so much that i really think people have taken away and will um will take away as they listen to this so thank you so much um for being here and for reaching out is there anything i haven't asked about that you would like to add
1: no, I don't think so. I mean, I would say to all the men out there who are in my situation or and women that it's OK, There, there's there's a community of us and that, you know, things may not happen on our timeline or the way we want. But, you know, uh, a piece of advice that I was given by my dating coach was if you want something enough, it will happen. Um, it's just not going to happen when you want it to. Um, But otherwise, no, I think we hit on everything. Um, If you're struggling with anxiety, go get help. If if medication is something you need, please get it. It's something I denied for years and has helped me infinitely in my dating journey and just in my personal life journey. And therapy is good. Therapy helps you see through relationships, both romantic and non-romantic, through struggles in your own life and to some degree my dating coach for a while was kind of like my dating therapist um not my therapist therapist but my dating therapist and so all these things have value in helping you get better and and life is ultimately about growing and getting better so you know i hope everyone takes that to heart um so yeah
0: absolutely well on all of those incredible final notes thank you again and to everyone who tuned in thank you so much for listening don't forget to send this episode to a friend who might want to hear it or to your whole group chat because there's absolutely something that everyone can take away and share it on your story if you want to share the share the love uh don't forget to give a five-star rating review and subscribe and we will see you next time